You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome back, Buffalo Bills fans. It's Matt Warren, Editor-in-Chief at BuffaloRumlings.com and host of Buffalo Rumlings Q&A, our weekly mailbag podcast over on the Buffalo Rumlings Podcast Network. As always, you can get in your questions for a future episode by calling 716-508-0405, tweet us at RumlingsQ&A, send an email to BuffaloRumlings at SBNation.com. We also take Facebook messages and Instagram messages to the Buffalo Bills official tw- Buffalo Rumlings official Twitter account. So send in those questions for a future episode. Also, it would really help us out if you gave us a review over on the iTunes store or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Tell a friend about us and help spread the word. We had a lively Twitter Q&A this week, so let's get to your questions. And it starts with Anthony, who asks us, Am I crazy to think the Bills can have a top 10 offense in 2020? I don't think it's crazy. I don't think it's particularly likely, but I don't think it's crazy. Uh, The Bills were 5.6 points per game and 44 yards per game out of the top 10 offenses in 2019. So they need 90 more points and 700 yards on the season to be into the top 10, at least last year. So that's an entire drive and a score every single game. Um, If you factor in how bad Josh Allen and the Bills were on connecting on deep passes and say that the Bills can connect on one of those additionally per game, I think it gets you pretty close to a top 10 offense. But I I don't know if one a game is is even feasible. I mean, if, if he hits one every other game, I think that would be a pretty big leap. So they would need to continue doing the good things they were doing on offense last year, but also having a complete additional drive on top of that every single game. So I think that's a lot to ask from the Bills. And um, so, yeah, it's possible. It's not crazy, but I don't think it's particularly likely. And that really leads us into our next question. Sports with AJ asks us, uh, will Josh Allen have an MVP type season? And I think that's incredibly optimistic. Um, If he gets to the Pro Bowl because the Bills have such a nice year, I mean, I'll take that for sure. Um, He would just have to have a massive leap to get into that MVP consideration, and it's too big for me to predict that. Um, But that does go hand-in-hand with becoming a top-10 scoring offense. If the Bills can put together that extra drive, that one extra deep pass each game, 
obviously Allen's the one that's going to be throwing that. And so if the Bills can vault themselves into the top 10 with one of those deep passes per game and an extra score per every drive or every game, then certainly he will be in the conversation and people will be talking about him. He already has the name recognition, um, as we saw from the NFL 100 list, where other players know who he is. Uh, he certainly has his detractors in the media who, if he puts together you know, a great season with you know, another, whatever it is, 500, 600 yards passing and can hit the deep passes that he's been ridiculed for missing, it's going to be hard for some of them to ignore him. Of course, some of the folks in the media are just going to you know, crap on him anyway because they need to prove their pre-draft points that, you know, he was not very good. And so they're going to just double down on their on their initial assessments. But, I mean, it's going to be hard to argue with him if the Bills go from the 21st-ranked passing offense up into the top 10. But, again, we're talking hypotheticals here. And I, I'm not ready to predict that kind of a jump for Josh Allen or the Bills passing offense. I think that's a really big leap. And so those two questions kind of go hand in hand. Uh, Thanks for asking that, uh, Sports with AJ and Anthony over on Twitter. Ian asks us, who has the better year two, Motor or Knox? And of course, Motor is referring to Devin Singletary, the Buffalo Bills running back, and Knox is the Buffalo Bills tight end. Well, I went with... uh, Dawson Knox here. The transition to the pros, I think, is more difficult at tight end than it is at running back. Um, So I think we saw a really nice representation of what Devin Singletary can do last year. I don't expect him to, you know, make leaps and bounds into year two. Uh, He might get the ball more and might be able to contribute more, but I don't expect him to be, you know, significantly better at his job in year two. Whereas I think Dawson Knox can really make a leap in year two with his concentration, with his route running. Um, It's just a harder position to transition from college to the pros at tight end. So if if we take that into account, I just expect a bigger leap from Dawson Knox from year one to year two, even though he did get a lot of reps last year heading into his rookie year because of the injury to Tyler Croft. I just think that Knox has the potential to really improve his game, where I don't know if Singletary has a chance to improve. Uh, he's just going to get more volume. So um, I really expect a nice step forward from Dawson Knox, and he legitimately has the potential to be a top tight end in the league. I'm, I'm not putting him up in like the elite elite category, uh, you know, with like a Kittle or a, or a Kelsey or something like that, but. He has the the potential to be a legitimate force at the tight end position for the Bills, especially now that you have John Brown and Stephon Diggs in there that are going to be taking the the attention away from him and taking the top off defenses. He'll be able to find that underneath spot and and really be able to to have an impact, you know, ten to fifteen yards down the field. So I'm going with uh, Dawson Knox is having the better leap in year two over Devin Singletary. But that doesn't mean that Singletary isn't super important to what they're trying to do or that he won't have a good year. Uh, but we're talking about leaps. And uh, so that, that that really leads me to believe that the guy at the tight end position is going to have that leap as opposed to the guy at the running back position. Thanks for your question over on Twitter, Ian. He sent that into Rumlings Q&A. Sean asks us, 
What should we expect from Josh Norman? I feel like the old goalie academy on the opposite side. Norman should have a big bounce back year. I completely agree. We know that Josh Norman can be successful in Sean McDermott's defense. Uh, we know that he wasn't very good on Washington's defense when he was asked to be the number one cornerback uh, going up against the number one wide receiver, you know, in a more of a man coverage setting in Washington. So now you put him in Buffalo where he's not the number one corner. He's back in his own defense that we know he can be successful at. I'm expecting big things from Josh Norman in uh, 2020. Now, if Tredavious White had opted out of the season and now Josh Norman's your number one cornerback, I would have been less optimistic about that. Uh, one of the reasons I really love this move by the Bills is that I, Norman's going to be you know, on your number two receiver if they flip sides, or he's just going to be you know, in his zone working his coverage um, if they stay on their, their sides of the field. And if White had opted out, they probably would have had to flip Norman with the number one receiver for every opponent going forward. And that you know, would have just led to the same kind of problems he had in Washington potentially. So I was really happy when uh, Tredavious White didn't opt out. Um, obviously, that would have been his right and I would have supported him. But I think Josh Norman was probably also pretty pumped when when Tredavious White said he was going to play this year and Norman could you know, be the number two cornerback in a system that he really, really is suited for playing. So uh, I really like what Norman's going to bring to the table this year. And um, I'm just really optimistic about what it's going to look like when the Bills uh, open their season with, with Norman and Tredavious White and Levi Wallace as their top three cornerbacks. Yeah, um, you'll see you know, Taron Johnson in there at, at nickel and ahead of Levi Wallace, but having Wallace there um, gives me comfort as well. They have a lot of depth in that secondary now because they have a lot of guys with starting experience, even without EJ Gaines, who did opt out of the 2020 NFL season. We're going to take a quick break, and then we'll come right back and answer some more of your questions here on Buffalo Rumblings Q&A. Which player, or even a couple names, do you think will be cut this year salary cap-wise? I think it's a, a really unique year for the NFL salary cap because the salary cap we know is going to go down in 2021 because of the lost revenue from the COVID-19 pandemic. I think NFL teams are going to cut veterans that they normally would have held on to. So earlier this offseason, I said I thought the Bills were going to keep Trent Murphy because they wanted a veteran to make a run uh, at their Super Bowl title. And this is their window the year. This year opens their window, 2020. And so having Trent Murphy in there to kind of solidify that defensive line, I think, was something that they would have wanted. But now, knowing that the salary cap is going down in 2021, they would want to free up that cap space that he's going to um, possess in 2020 and roll that to the 2021 season so that they can re-sign their young guys like Dawson, uh, Deion Dawkins and um, Matt Milano. So I think Trent Murphy goes to the top of that list, even though three or four months ago, I said that they were going to keep him because that salary cap change 
you know, really changes the way that the Bills are going to be playing their salary cap game in, over the next month. Here's a couple other names that I've been uh, toying around with. Ty Nsecki. I uh, haven't heard his name bandied about really anywhere else, but if the Bills want to save a considerable amount of money on their offensive line, they could cut Ty Nsecki. Now, it leaves them a little bit exposed at backup left tackle. They don't really have a guy that could kick over to left tackle if Deion Dawkins was hurt, but Nsecki is a really expensive backup at like seven-something million dollars on the cap this year. And so if you have Daryl Williams, who is a former second-team All-Pro right tackle. You've got Cody Ford, who is your right tackle of the future. You've got guys that can play that right tackle spot. The biggest question then becomes, again, who could step in at left tackle in the event Deion Dawkins is injured? So that's the only reason I would keep Ty Nsecki. But at 7 or $8 million on the cap, that's a really expensive backup. Um, Darrell Williams is a lot cheaper than that. So he's a guy I'm looking at as a potential salary cap casualty. Andre Roberts, um, I, I don't see the value in Andre Roberts. Uh, he didn't have enough returns last year for me to you know, just be falling all over myself to keep him on my roster at the, the salary number that he's going to be making this year. Um, I think you can get not similar production, but you can get adequate production out of somebody that's cheaper than that. Uh, and, you know, the Saints ha- had the Pro Bowl punt returner last year, and he was an undrafted free agent rookie who made the league minimum. So I just think that it's an easy position to cut corners at. And I, obviously the Bills did that for a long time and didn't like the results, which is why they went out and signed Roberts to a big contract, relatively speaking, for his you know, contributions specifically on offense. But, you know, they, they want him there, so it would definitely not surprise me if they kept him around. I just don't necessarily see the salary cap value, and that's the question that was asked. <laughs> uh, TJ Yeldon is another guy that I could see them getting rid of, uh, not just for salary cap purposes, but also just because he's not going to be one of your top three running backs. He's probably not even going to be active on game day unless Devin Singletary or Zach Moss are hurt. So there's not really a need to have him around on the roster at his salary number either. The Jared85 responded to this uh, tweet answer that I sent out and told me I should put Star Latulale in the conversation as well. Uh, But I'm not going to do that. His salary for 2021 is already fully guaranteed. The Bills aren't going to release him and pay him to do nothing. They're going to pay him to be on the team. He's going to get paid either way because his salary is fully guaranteed. It's one of the reasons that he probably felt comfortable taking the opt-out in 2020 because he knew his salary was fully guaranteed and he wouldn't lose his spot by taking the year off. Uh, So Star Latule is going to be back in 2021 and counting against the Bills' salary cap in 2021. So I wanted to make sure I clarified that. He's not going anywhere. Um, Cellblock716 followed up by asking about uh, Lee Smith. Thought you might put Lee Smith in there too. I really like what Lee Smith brings to the table as a blocker. Uh, If they want to keep going with that two tight end set, I really like what he does. And I think he elevates their, uh, the blocking of the offensive line to a point where you know, he played a lot of snaps in uh, in 2019, and they value what he brings to the table as that sixth offensive lineman. 
So, I mean, if they wanted to replace that with an actual sixth offensive lineman, that's fine. I just think Smith gives you an added component with his ability to go out in routes. Uh, he's got really nice lateral agility, you know, at least better than you know a lot of offensive tackles, I'll say. Um, and, and I just think he brings a nice mentality to that to that position group room as well as the veteran in the room who's you know been there done that scene at all really so I, I like what Lee Smith brings to the table so I'm not going to put him in the salary cap casualty uh, bin but I mean they would save you know a, a nice amount of money by by cutting Lee Smith and I've seen plenty of other 53-man roster projections where they jettison Lee Smith in favor of more reps for Tommy Sweeney so I I just like Smith more than most people, so I'm not going to put him in that bucket. Also in the replies, Keesler the says he thought Ty Inseki did a phenomenal job at right tackle last season, and I uh, think he did much better than the rookie when he played. The rookie he's referring to is Cody Ford, and I agree with that. I, I think Inseki played better than Ford, but Ford's going to get every chance to be the full-time right tackle during training camp. Uh, Daryl Williams is there and cheaper, Seki is a super expensive uh, backup. So not only did the Bills go all in with Cody Ford, you know they, they signed Brian Winters to go to guard because they didn't want even the possibility of moving Ford in to right guard when John Feliciano was hurt. That was their golden opportunity. If they wanted to move forward, they would have done that. So what, what they said to me, at least, when they kept Ford at right tackle uh, when John Feliciano was hurt, is that they have no interest in at least the next 12 months of of Cody Ford moving inside from right tackle to right guard. And w- when you say that about a second-round pick, you're saying that, you know, Inseki is on the clock. He only has one year left on his deal. He's in his mid-30s. Uh, he couldn't make it through the 2019 season healthy. I just think that they're going to I mean, not anoint Cody Ford the right tackle, but he's going to get every opportunity to win that job. And so even if Inseki outplayed him in 2019, they see this as a logical step for Ford to take that over going into his second season after he's been through you know an entire year in the NFL's uh, conditioning program and meal program, nutrition program, you know, all of that. So I just think that Ford is, is going to be the guy at right tackle, even though he was outplayed in 2019. You know, they're going to hand him the keys in 2020 and say, you know, Prove it, essentially. Thanks for the follow-up questions about my salary cap cuts on Twitter, folks. Fantastic Cuse asks us, who will be the recipient of the first contract extension that we will see? Um, I think it's Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott, if I'm being honest. I think that's actually overdue. Um, We probably would have seen an extension for the two of them in May or June sometime, if not for the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, I was expecting it when, you know, they got back into the facility in late July. Uh, I was expecting it when training camp started in August. I mean, you started seeing it around the league, the 49ers um, doing contract extensions for their guys, the Minnesota Vikings doing contract extensions for their guys. The Bills have been oddly silent on that front. So I think that Bean and McDermott are the most likely extensions. But as far as players go, which is probably what you're asking about, Fantastic Cuse, um, 
I think that the first player contract extension we'll see is Deion Dawkins. I think he's at a premium position. Uh, he's a guy that really showed a lot of consistency in 2019. And I just think it's more likely that they are closer to a number with Deion Dawkins than they are with Matt Milano. I think Milano is going to come down to the wire because he's going to be asking for a lot more money than a lot of fans are comfortable seeing. And so I just, I think that might translate a little bit to what the bill's expectations are for his contract. I mean, Milano is going to make a huge leap into being one of the top paid linebackers in the NFL. And I mean, Dawkins is going to get a nice payday, but he's not going to be up with like Laramie Tunsil or you know, the top left tackles, offensive tackles in the league. So I just think that they're probably closer in their brains on a number with Dawkins and his camp than they are with Milano and his camp, especially because it's a premium position. So I just think Dawkins gets done before Milano and before any of the other folks in need of a contract extension heading into 2020. Thanks for your question, Fantastic Hughes, over at Romelinks Q&A on Twitter. We'll finish it off with uh, Mr. G, who asks us, uh, which is better, or which is bigger, the benefit of not having fans at away games or the negative of not having fans at home games? Well, I, the Bills losing their home field advantage, especially with the primetime game, I just think is a big disadvantage for the Bills. Buffalo is so unique. Um, the fans get loud. They know when to get loud. They know when to be quiet. Um, the, the opposing players have to drive through the parking lot to get into the stadium, and they see all the fans out there tailgating at you know all times of day and night. So I just think it's a really nice home field advantage that the Bills have, you know, when they play in Orchard Park with fans in the stands. Um, I think it is underrated. Be- Um, on the road as well because Bills fans travel so well and this would have been a year where a lot of Bills fans traveled whether you're talking about Las Vegas or San Francisco or Nashville Tennessee the the Bills had some really nice road trips in 2020 that aren't likely to happen now because of the COVID-19 pandemic so they're going to lose out on you know some of that road flair that they would get from you know the Bills Mafia Um, Being able to, I don't know, calm down the home team's home field advantage. But I think it's just a way more important loss that the Bills won't have fans in the stands in Orchard Park during the 2020 season. They're going to lose out on that home field advantage. And and it's just, it's disappointing. But I mean, there's, at this point, I don't, I don't see how, you're going to have fans in the stands in Buffalo. I mean, I, I don't see how you should have fans anywhere in the NFL right now, uh, but that's you know kind of a different story. So uh, I think that the bigger loss is not having fans in the stands at one Bills drive. So thanks for that question, Mr. G, over on Twitter. And that's going to do it for this week's episode of Buffalo Rumblings Q&A. As always, send in your questions for a future episode using our voicemail line or text line, same number, 716-508-0405, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Uh, you know, it'll go to auto message, so you don't have to worry about you know, like me answering the phone. Uh, you can email us, buffalorumblings at sbnation.com, tweet us at rumblingsqa, that's with the word and spelled out in the middle. You can send us Facebook or Instagram messages at the Buffalo Rumblings uh, accounts on those platforms. 
lots of ways to get in touch with the show and have your questions heard. You can uh, ask questions in the comments section over at buffalorumblings.com in the show notes articles that post every Tuesday. Uh, please, please, please send in your questions. It gets really boring if we don't have questions from you guys because then it's just me talking. So uh, we're getting down to roster cuts. Uh, where there's going to be padded practices. There's just a lot of stuff that's going to happen over the next week or two as the Bills get off the runway, so to speak, and get into legitimate training camp here in August. Go Bills. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting Fundrise.com Fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at Fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement.